here in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Paracast with Gene and Chris, we have two interesting, fascinating guests. Of course, my old friend Tim Beckley, whom I've known for four or five hundred years in various incarnations. He joins us. Tim? Greetings, Gene. Hi, Chris. How are you doing out there? Happy New Year, man. Our special guest is Ray B. Palmer. He's a son of the UFO and occult legendary editor and publisher Ray Palmer. Of course, he's not Junior. He's Raymond B. And, of course, Ray Palmer was Raymond A. And we'll talk about the life and times of Ray Palmer and how Ray B. Palmer interacted with a lot of the interesting people in the UFO field, including Richard Shaver, who lived just down the road. Now, as those of you who have known me for years will realize, I met Ray Palmer back in the mid-1960s. That ages me. And I don't know if you were at home at the time, Ray B. or not, but I visited your home in Amherst in 1965 with a group of people, including Jim Mosley, Rick Hilberg, and I have to think of the other person. It was Alan Greenfield. And I spent about a half hour interviewing Ray about a number of different subjects, including Richard Shaver, the Shaver mystery, some of his experiences, and the response that amazing stories received to the Shaver mystery. I thought it was really fascinating. So, Ray, welcome to the Paracast. And I'm going to ask you one simple question. Growing up in that environment, did it get you really curious about the mysteries of our lifetime? Uh, well, back then it wasn't quite so much. I just grew up with it, so it was normal to me. I would say I didn't actually restart reading Shaver stuff and uh, science fiction stuff till later years. Now, at the time, and I guess when we talk about 1965, you must have been a teenager then, right? I was 15 then. Okay. So at that particular point in time, you were just going to school, and you didn't care about this neighbor down the road, Richard Shaver, but did you ever talk to him about his experiences? Oh, yes. I didn't, I didn't say I didn't care. It's just that uh, I just grew up with him. And I remember going up there, and I'd always he'd hear his stories, and he'd have his rocks, and he'd be showing, well, my sister would be up there too, Jennifer and myself, and he'd show us the rocks and show us the pictures in there. And so, yes, it was just sort of an everyday occurrence to us. Now, as our listeners know, Richard Shaver claimed to have spent time in the caves with creatures known as the Dero and the Tiro, but later in his life he was dealing with something called rock books, which were like crystalline rocks, do I take it right here, Ray, that he said contained the knowledge of the ancients? Uh, yes, and again, I, I went out with him rock hunting back then, so it wasn't his later years, actually. It was because I was 15, I suppose I went rock hunting with him when I was 10 or 11, too. We'd just go out to the rock piles around the area and pick up rocks, and he'd look at them, and some he could stuff in, some he couldn't. And he had all this elaborate systems with... Lenses and yeah, he had a rock saw which he right. cut the rocks, and he had the lenses trying to look at the rocks to see if there was something there. And I think the people who were critical would say this is just some kind of Rorschach test. You see what you think you're going to see in these prints he made of the rocks. What did you think? Well, just watching the way he looked at them, I just remember years ago when these magic eye books came out. Do you remember those? Some people would look at him, you couldn't see any pictures, but then some other people you look at him and you see the pictures in them. I just remember Shaver looking at the rocks the same way that you look at those books. It just was a certain way to look at them. And they were, as he said, they were 3D, and I could never really see them. I've looked sometime, and I guess several times I have seen exactly what he said. And it is 
remarkable, but I can't repeat the thing. But just because I can't repeat it doesn't mean it wasn't true. Because <laughs> I've done that on other, other things where I've done one thing one time and never been able to repeat it. I have to tell you that my first wife, Geneva, and I were able to sometimes see things mm-hmm. in his printouts. So I don't know if that's us or, or what. Times I have, it's, it is quite remarkable. So you think, well, okay, maybe he has something. But it's just something I haven't been able to repeat consistently. <laughs> now, we should explain here that his dad, Ray A. Palmer, or R.A.P. as he was known, was one of the pioneer science fiction editors. He'd worked with Amazing Stories magazine. And as I was mentioning here before we started this interview... Those of you who saw the movie John Carter, which was actually a big flop, but I kind of liked the movie. It was a science fiction story based on the novels John Carter of Mars, A Princess of Mars by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Now, Ray Palmer published some of the final John Carter of Mars novels in Amazing Stories magazine. And then he also got involved in the Shaver mystery. Now, what do you remember about your dad and his involvement in Shaver's particular story? First, I'll go with the like, Edgar Rice Burroughs things, because I remember when I was young, my dad would read Edgar Rice Burroughs books to me, and so I got interested in the Tarzan series and later on the John Carter series, and I remember one time in somewhere in Amazing Stories, one of the editorials, one of the reasons he was doing science fiction was to you know, stimulate people's minds, because imagination, as he said, imagination is very important, because we have nothing without imagination. It's nice to know knowledge, but if you don't have imagination, you don't get the knowledge, <laughs> or it doesn't create, it's not created. So, yes, I grew up with Edgar Rice Burroughs and that, and it did stimulate, and, I, and science fiction, too. So I did, I was an avid science fiction reader back then. Did you ever think of trying to write yourself? I, I do, but I think uh, writing has uh, missed my generation. <laughs> Either I got terminal writer's block, or it takes every other generation, I'm not sure. <laughs> But you're involved in more of the publishing end of it. You do printing and everything. Uh, yes. My dad uh, uh, My dad did the, uh, I guess, the thinking, and I did the hard work. Not the hard work, but the brute work, you call that. <laughs> so it takes two, one to produce, one to think about it, one to produce it. So we worked out pretty good together. Uh-huh. Now, after his passing, you continue to publish some of his books and republish them, right? Ah, uh, yes. And I still do... Uh, Actually, I don't do too much in the flying saucers. At the 50th anniversary of the, of Kenneth sighting, I still had the an old copy of the coming of saucers, so I did reprint that, and I issued the. Uh, I haven't had the very first radio broadcast that Kenneth Arnold made, so uh, tell the expect. Oh, do tell. What did, did you ever meet Kenneth Arnold? Oh yes, he came here several times. We have pictures of of him where he landed the plane up in the Farmer's Field, which made quite a stir around here. <laughs> <laughs> So just a flat field up on the top of the hill here. And then the farmer came down with Kenneth on the car saying, he just landed his plane in my field. Now, the big story about Kenneth Arnold, of course, first of all, is his sighting on June 24, 1947. Did you talk to him about that? Well, I've heard of him and Dad talking, and I, I did meet him probably, I can't remember, 1972, somewhere around there. I went to his house there. And we talked about that somewhat, and then we talked about his other other things he was doing. Um, but again, as far as my my father and Kenneth Arnold talked about, again, Kenneth Arnold was interested to prove what they were because he got ridiculed so much and he wanted to prove, yes, he saw these things and he wanted to prove what they were. 
But they never did say like they were from outer space or anything. Even if you listen to his first radio broadcast, he thought they were uh, might have been in a military secret planes. Well, it's actually, just, if I could just say a word here, Gene, uh, I uh, had a little correspondence recently with uh, someone in Kenneth Arnold's family, and actually, uh, Ken Arnold, I think, had something like seven or eight uh, other uh, sightings, and he did not consider the one uh, around uh, Mount Rainier to be the best of uh, observations. But uh, he actually believed that these were not crafts from other planets, but might have been some sort of mechanism where the souls of the departed passed over to the other side. I mean, he had some fairly unusual uh, conceptions, uh, and uh, it's kind of interesting to hear people, you know, other ufologists bring up his sightings and all, but yet they have little knowledge of his actual background. Uh, you know, and, and that he believed. Uh, in fact, uh, at his home uh, in uh, Idaho, I believe it's where he lived, right? was it Idaho or Iowa? Idaho. And uh, he actually said that invisible beings came into the uh, into his uh, house there. He even reported one time uh, seeing a rocking chair uh, swaying back and forth without anybody uh, being in it. I'll tell you, this gets more and more elaborate, and we're going to continue with remembrances of Kenneth Arnold, Richard Shaver, Ray Palmer with Ray B. Palmer, Tim Beckley with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. You know, for many of us, so much of our jobs are tied to our office computers. We have networks, special programs, important files. You feel chained to your office just to be productive. Well, here's some good news. There is a better way. It's one I've used myself. It's called Go to My PC. It's a secure remote access tool from Citrix that turns any computer, tablet, or smartphone into your office computer. How about that? With Go to My PC, you can access your entire network, use any program, save, edit, send any file from anywhere. Don't even need to worry about those flash drives. My listeners, by the way, can try Go to My PC free for just 30 days. Visit GoToMyPC.com. Visit GoToMyPC.com. Click the Try It Free button. Enter the promo code podcast. Then download the free app to your mobile device. That's GoToMyPC.com. The promo code is podcast. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. 
Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker You've come to expect winter specials from Herbal Healer Academy, and we're not going to let you down. Battle through cold and flu season with powerful natural and safe flu fighters, antivirals like olive leaf extract capsules and elderberry power, vitamin D3, 180 caps, only $9, beta-glucans and an incredible immune system booster, our own four-herb tea capsules, and Respa 8, all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Also, exclusive homeopathic detoxes for lungs, kidneys, liver, whole body, and lymph are on sale. Herbal Healer Academy offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and save big now when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time since 1988. Celebrating 25 years in service to the natural health care industry. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and with Chris on the Paracast, we're talking to Raymond B. Palmer, the son of Raymond A. Palmer, the co-founder of Fate Magazine, the person who brought us the Shaver Mystery, one of the pioneers in the UFO field. And we have Tim Beckley, sometimes called Mr. UFO. Tim, you're going to tell us more about the more unusual beliefs of Kenneth Arnold. Oh, yeah, like I said, he, he thought that these, these craft might have actually been living, sort of living entities, and uh, that uh, he thought that they came from some other realm or some other dimension. He didn't buy into the uh, interplanetary uh, theory uh, that much. And uh, he, he believed, which is a non-conception, but I have heard it uh, repeated. I think John Lear kind of discusses this, that they are some sort of device that carries the souls of the departed over into the next uh, realm of the hereafter. Now, that would come as a surprise to a lot of people who looked at Kenneth Arnold as someone who had a pretty straight-ahead kind of guy, a nuts-and-bolts person. That yeah, have these right, beliefs. Bolts, right. Most people are, are very shocked when I tell them the story. Uh, but uh, besides the, even the information that I, I got from uh, his uh, family member, uh, I had read this before. The local paper you know, where he lived uh, did a little interview with him maybe you know, 30 years ago, uh, just before his passing, and went into some of this uh, other uh, material. So it, it's not uh, you know like I'm the only person that knows about it because it has been uh, you know it has been uh, repeated. But I must say that. Ray's father, uh, Raymond A. Palmer, 
was a true icon. You know, we throw the word icon around today like almost it's uh, it's almost nothing. Anybody who is on a reality show is an icon uh, suddenly. But his dad really was an icon, and many people say if it wasn't for Ray Palmer, there would be no flying saucer mystery. I just want to interject a little bit. I have a different uh, version of that story, which I've heard from my mother, and also I had some uh, thick foam tapes from Kenneth Arnold. And... Uh, you know, I believe it again from his tapes. It was more his wife that went into the more the mystical or spiritual one, and actually they had uh, quite a few arguments about that. Because Kenneth Arnold, uh, again, he he was like say nuts and bolts. He didn't he didn't believe in that. So whether I got some of the tapes here yet, and I did take them one of them some dictone to a radio station to have them try and get the dictone to work, but then they disappeared, so I don't have those anymore. But again, my oh, yeah. my, my remembrance of that, and I might have copies of that, is that one that he, uh, again, the spiritual or the, was was more of his wife thinking, and Kenneth Arnold didn't really agree with that. And yes, that he did think they moved and acted like living objects. So yes, I've heard, I've heard him say that. Now, I know that some other people have written about possibly living UFOs, but with Arnold, we always think of the Maury Island case, which was the subject of the coming of the saucers, his portion of that book that he wrote with your father. What was your knowledge about that incident, Murray Island? Well, we do have, I still have one of the fragments from Murray Island. You do? Tell me more. Oh, well, Dad had several of the fragments, and uh, over the years, but my dad would give away everything. My mom would drive my mom crazy because some people would come and he would say they'd want it and he'd give it to them. But we still had the one fragment left. And people have asked me to analyze it, and I've said some, I've sent out pieces, and I've got one guy said, well, it's heavier than it should be. But again, what does it mean? And my trouble is, when Dad had him analyzed, I believe he had been analyzed that this is the fragments he got from Grisman. And he had him at one analyzed that he said U.S. deal and one at Northwestern University. But my trouble is, I don't have the original analysis. So we could anal- analyze these, but without the originals, it, there, we have a lot of loose ends always. How big is the sample that you still have? Oh, it's probably the size, oh, one and a half by one and a half. Inches, we're talking about, not feet. Yeah, inches and uh, probably a quarter inch thick, not quite that. And I remember reading one time, he said, uh, let's see, he had a fragment in, in his office at Ziff Davis, and the FBI came, and they're talking about it. You'd have to go back to the amazing story. It's more like a research project. And he said that the FBI were talking about this, and here the, he had one of the fragments sitting in front of them, using as an ashtray or something like that. Sounds like he was having a laugh at their expense. Yep. And he also mentioned at that time, the fragment, when he had first originally got it, was light-colored and it turned dark. And the last time I broke a little piece off and sent it to somebody, yes, when you break it out, it's it's light-colored on the inside. Just so our listeners know about what we're talking about here, these are the fragments that fell in the wake of the UFO sighting at Maury Island. Well, these are the fragments that... Fred Christman sent to Dad. Again, that's the story that Fred Christmas told him. Told him. Now, did you have any opinion about Christman and what he said? Well, I just, what I've, like I said, I never met him, and I just, what I've read on the, uh, in my Dad's magazine, Christmas said one thing, Dad said the other thing, but I'm pretty sure Dad made, didn't make anything of that up, so. <laughs> Again, I know nothing about Christman, really. So I can have more, really, no opinion about that. Well, some people thought he was a kind of deceptive sort of person. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's, again, what I've read. 
and all I can go is some people. Fortunately for my father, as he said, he wrote down everything he thought about and everything. So if people are really interested in him, it's more like a research project. You just have to find the issue that he wrote it in, and you get it right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So he has, does have I, a comment on what, on what he thinks Chrisman was doing or what you said about him. Yes. But I can't put my finger on it right now. I, I believe uh, Crispin first got in touch uh, with your father when uh, he was uh, uh, editing uh, Amazing Stories. He uh, wrote this uh, letter uh, in which uh, Ray uh, published about being uh, trapped uh, in a cave and how to fight uh, his way out against the bureau. And that was the first, I think, he heard from Crispin and then published uh, a few other uh, letters over the uh, over the years. Yes, that's possible. Again, there's a mountain of material that my dad wrote and everything. It's just a matter of finding it. <laughs> After all these years, is there stuff that he wrote that has never been published? Not too much, I don't think. In fact, there's probably a lot that's been published that I don't know about even. <laughs> no, I but understand. I most most everything he, he thought about or ideas about, he put in his magazines. So the magazine was very much like his blog. No, that's right, yes. As I always think today, today my dad... Writing? He, was, was he a teenager, uh, Ray, when he first started writing? Pardon, I didn't hear that. What, was he a teenager when he first started writing? He was writing science fiction, of course. Oh, yes. Uh, actually, I, into... yeah, I found his very first story, The Time Ray of Chandra. I actually have the first magazine that was published in. And it was... What year the... was that? Pardon? What year was that? Oh, I would have to look that up. My memory is always terrible, but I do have that. And that's, he sold it when he was 18, he said. And whether he, he published it, yeah, I, in fact, I just moved yesterday or two days ago. I used my, moved my cabinet downstairs from where I'm talking, so I actually had it. But, yeah, I could find that out if somebody wanted to, but, yeah. And I also have a little, um, he kept a record of all his uh, stories he sold. He had like a logbook. How many times he submitted them? How many times they rejected alterations? First time he was plagiarized, and how much he made for each one? <laughs> plagiarized? Yep. That doesn't oh. sound too nice. Well, I guess he wasn't too pleased with the guy that used it either. But we again, have Raymond B. Palmer joining us with Tim Beckley and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. 
If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Food storage? Check. Survival tools? Check. Weapons and water filters? Check. But what about a permanent source of cooking power that can run forever without buying fuel or paying for maintenance? Introducing Afterburner Stoves, home of the original patented rocket stove, the Kelly Kettle, and the Solo Stove. Afterburner Stoves has what you need and now offers all GCN listeners our complete preparedness package with the means to cook meals and sanitize water. Whether you dig in or bug out, cook almost any meal with just a handful of sticks. We already have the lowest online prices guaranteed. But if you enter coupon code GCN at checkout, we'll knock off an additional 15% and send you our amazing six-hour solar rechargeable light bulb absolutely free, all for only $249. Visit AfterburnerStoves.com or call 866-716-5214, 866-716-5214, AfterburnerStoves.com. Cook hot meals with just a handful of sticks. How would you like to have normal blood pressure? This is Ernesto from Illinois. I had my doctor's appointment yesterday and I got my labs in. My HDL is 119L and my LDL is 37L. My doctor asked what I was doing to lower it so much, so I told her about HB extract. Millions of people like Ernesto are suffering from high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, and clogged arteries. But now there's an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation. Heart and body extract. My blood pressure has not gone past 125 over 80 in almost a month. Experience amazing benefits when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of heart and body extract. She did a double take when she looked at my ER labs. She couldn't believe it. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Thank you. Heart and Body Extract. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we're being visited by the canines in the neighborhood. Every time we bring up a UFO discussion, they start barking. And you have to think that we are now debating the ET versus the occult theory of UFOs. Raymond B. Palmer joining us on the Paracast. He's a son of Raymond A. Palmer, pioneer science fiction writer, editor, co-founder of Fate magazine, considered one of the people who first popularized the mystery of the flying saucers. We also have Tim Beckley. Ray, I want to ask you about that, about your dad. Because of his connection with Fate magazine, the early publication of UFO information, he's considered almost the pioneer UFO researcher. What do you have to say? Uh, yes, well, again, I do have an interview with my mom that I have on tape, and 
whenever whenever the flying saucer story first came out, Dad was interested in that. And also because of the Shaver mystery, it did corroborate some of Shaver's stories. And Dad always wanted to try to find the more physical proof to Shaver's stories. So, yes, he was interested in that. Just to go off the subject just a little, when you, you started, you said the cult. Um, what is your definition of the cult right now? Because when I'm talking to my mother and everything, their definite definition of the cult is much different than what it seems to be now. The cult simply means to them the unknown or the unseen. And today it seems to mean something different, which I, I'm not sure what it really means today. I so, think yes, people were, mix it up with ghosts, strange powers like ESP, precognition, that kind of thing. Yeah. So where the original occult was, well, the unknown or unseen, which is something that existed, but we still don't know what it is, so it, it's something, it's, it's, it's interesting to find out what things are. So that was my dad's interest in, which, in that cult. Now let's go back to his time at Amazing Stories magazine, and you know he's one of a number of science fiction magazine editors, and then he gets the material from Richard Shaver. What did he tell you about that? Uh, again, this is more from my mother, and it's the same as the, my dad had always written about it, so I know about that. But then I'm talking to my mother. He first, uh, again, you, we all know the story about the letter that came to Howard Brown, which, which then. Uh, Howard Brown thrown in the waste paper basket, and my dad retrieved, and then published the uh, ancient alphabet. But as far as his interaction with Shaver, he would, my dad would go to New York once a month for Ziff Davis. And on one of his trips, he stopped in to see Richard Shaver. And that was the time when he talked to Richard. And my dad always had a way of talking to people. He had listened to people. And they would, after a while, they, they would think that actually he knew what they were talking about when actually he was just uh, listening and just to gather information from him. And a lot of people would open up to him more that way because he wouldn't criticize or anything. He would just simply listen. And I guess they spent most of the night talking. And then when Dad went, went to bed, he heard the same voices that Richard was talking about. This was where Richard Shaver was living in Pennsylvania at the time. Yeah. yeah. Right. And at that night... He was hearing these voices, and that obviously indicated they have to have an external reality, because as I remember what your father wrote, is that you'd hear more than one person talking at the same time. And if it was just Shaver speaking in different voices, that would be impossible. Yeah, that's what, uh, you know, again, you, you could read the account. He has that pretty well written in a lot of his stories. So, yes, that, that's basically what it was. And when he woke up in the morning, he sort of thought, okay, Richard Shaver had some hidden microphones or something, and he... He looked around and couldn't find any. So, again, that was his interest in Shaver. And, one, it happened to him. He heard voices. And, two, the circulation of uh, amazing stories went up that 50,000. And, again, if you remember the story there, uh, let's see, Mr. Strong, circulation manager, had a hunch that uh, the magazine circulation would increase that month and stole paper from other other publications to give to amazing stories. And Mr. Davis thought that the story was going to be garbage and they wouldn't be able to sell any of those copies. But in truth, they sold out all of them almost overnight. And again, if you go back to the story of when Dad told Richard he was going to publish the story, I can believe it was, I remember, Lemuria, Richard said, you need to publish more copies. And Dad said, well, there's a paper shortage. We can't do that. And remember, Richard, folks, this is during World War II. Yes. So there was a paper shortage, and all the other publications were selling 
uh, like 98% or something, and amazing it's selling a little less. So it made no sense to take paper from one publication that's selling better and put it to the other one. But Richard said, well, give me the circulation manager's name, and he'll do something about it. So Dad was quite amused and said, okay, gave him the name, and then something like the next day or whatever it was, Strong called up Dad or something like that and said, well, we're going to increase it by 50000 Did he say how he got this inspiration? Did somebody call him or what? Or he had a feeling? Had a feeling, I believe. Again, if you want to, you just have to read the, the writing there and you could have, but I got the general gist of what I'm saying is, yeah, he had a feeling, I believe. Okay, of course, now, supposedly the Deros and Tiros, the underground creatures, had telegrays, which are mind-control machines, so if they wanted to control someone's actions, they could just project these machines at them, so somebody down there can say, okay, you're going to get an inspiration guy that you want to print 50,000 more copies of Amazing Stories, and that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And again, I got this, I've read this from my, my dad's writing, and my mom told the story, and actually one of the associate editors that I know I, he said he wasn't in the office when that when that that came that came that story came through as far as the circulation increase, but Dad had told him that afterwards. So again, he he's saying the same thing my dad said that for some reason the circulation was increased and for some reason they sold out. Now uh, supposedly the circulation of Amazing Stories remained at a high level for the duration of the publication of the Shaver stories. But as soon as the Shaver stories stopped, the circulation went down to its normal level. And understand, even 50,000 copies for a science fiction magazine, say in the 50s and 60s or 70s, is pretty high. Yes. And, okay, one thing we're talking about, circulations. I've had some people say that uh, circulation never went up to the Shaver story. But I happen to have the uh, Science Fiction Digest back in something that, and they, they published the... Uh, circulation results, because I guess there was a circulation audit bureau back then? Audit bureau of circulation, yes. Oh, okay. And uh, it shows in, like, 1948, there's a 60% increase in circulation. So I'm looking at for 1947, 241,000, 1948, 385,000. And then after that, a gradual decline. And they also show in here, like, popular and thrilling magazines, monthly publications. It's just a uh, comparison of all the pulps back then. Imagine, for example, in our day and age, Ray, it'd be something like you put up a story on a website and you're getting a million page views a month, a page view being the number of pages is actually being seen by people. And suddenly you publish a story, it's posted online, and you get two million page views a month. It's kind of like that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. So Again, trying... this is the only documentation of I have circulation because I'm not sure if that circulation audit bureau or whatever is still available in the libraries. But this oh. was the science fiction fan magazine or something back then. Again, I still have a copy of it. Now, the crazy thing about here is when Ray first published the Shaver stories, guy who claimed to have been in contact with people who live in the inner earth, it was presented as science fiction. At some point in time, he said, no, this is a fact. I got to think the science fiction people who read these things and, you know, adored the stories of Edgar Rice Burroughs and the famous early science fiction writers of the time must have gone crazy. Yeah, well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Again, I've heard stories about people didn't like it or anything, but then I've also heard stories there was only a very few people that were writing and causing the problem. And the ones that were buying the magazine... The hardcore science fiction fans 
detest UFOs or anything like paranormal even to this day. And they did have a a, a write-in campaign to Ziff Davis uh, saying it, it was a science fiction magazine, and if he didn't stop uh, publishing the Shaver Mystery uh, stories, that they would uh, take their reading interest uh, elsewhere. So for years, there was a, a battle between the Shaver fans and the, uh, the hardcore sci-fi uh, buffs uh, who wanted to depose Palmer and get rid of the Shaver mystery. We'll get into very much more of this. We have Tim Beckley, Raymond B. Palmer, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at webtv.net. That's Mr. UFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. I have been asked to announce that Federal Judge Walter J. Skinner has confirmed that most gasoline vehicles will get 22% more miles per gallon with a low-cost automotive accessory called Platinum 22, which meets or exceeds its own fuel-saving claims. To learn if Platinum 22 will give you 22% more miles per gallon, you should call 1-800-LESS-GAS or 1-800-537-7427. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800 800- 686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Never before has there been a nail hardener that requires no drying time. The all-natural herbal blends of Nails of Steel can help eliminate cracking, splitting, hangnails, and other nail problems with virtually no drying time. Nails of Steel is hypoallergenic and biodegradable and is so easy to use, you can keep it at the home or at the office. Just massage this rich, creamy herbal lotion over your natural or polished nails, and within the first week, you will begin to notice your nails looking healthier and strengthening. My fingernails were always chipped, and then I started using Nails of Steel. Today, my nails are healthy. 
healthy and strong, and they look like I just walked out of the salon. Nails and steel is also used by men. Men work hard, and our hands can show it. I used to have split, broken nails. With nails of steel, I can work hard, be rough, and still have strong nails and keep my hands looking groomed. You don't have to be a female to want nails of steel. Everyone wants a good-looking pair of hands. And broken, chipped, and damaged nails can be painful. Go to nailsofsteel.com for healthy, manicured-looking nails. Nailsofsteel.com for the salon in a bottle. That's nailsofsteel.com. Alex Jones here with a message that could revolutionize health in this country. Going back about a year and a half ago, I began to learn about the incredible health effects of Longevity products. Aaron Dykes lost 92 pounds. We're going to show you some before and afters. Aaron Break down what happened, your story. I've worked really hard with diet and exercise to try to lose weight, but I just didn't get the results. It just didn't happen. Then I saw what you were doing with InfoWarsTeam.com. I wasn't even trying to lose weight, but I got it because I wanted to feel better energy. I wanted that nutrition. Didn't even understand how that could kickstart my own weight loss goals, but the products did that for me. I found myself suddenly losing weight, more energetic, wanting to exercise, wanting to eat the right foods. And they don't even advertise it as weight loss. I want to challenge our radio listeners to go to InfoWarsTeam.com, sign up as a distributor, and get wholesale pricing discounts at InfoWarsTeam.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. We're back with Raymond B. Palmer, the son of Raymond A. Palmer, pioneer, science fiction editor, UFO researcher, writer, publisher, co-founder of Fate Magazine, need I go on, and Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO. Now, at some point in time, Ray, Amazing Stories stopped publishing the Shaver mystery material. Was that because of reader pressure? Uh, last Shaver story was published uh, just the uh, issue after Howard Brown took over, and it moved to New York because... Uh, what happened is the, the Chicago office of Zip Davis was going to be closed, and that's when many of the writers and editors went off on their own, like Kirk, Kirk Fuller, Bill Hamling, my dad, and several other ones, I believe. And, uh, but Howard Brown went to New York that, with that. So the last, last story that I ever saw of Shavers was the very first issue, I believe 1950, or whatever, that, that Howard Brown was in charge of. And more than likely, it was just there because it was already in the can before Howard Brown took care of it. But yes, as the later years, the uh, number of Shaver stories went down. And also, Shave, the Shaver mystery had gone down a little bit before because they've covered as much as they could, and, but Shaver did a lot of science fiction ones, too, which weren't really related to his mystery, too. Correct me if I'm wrong. Shaver is a decent writer, but not a great writer. Did your dad do a lot of editing and revising of the Shaver stories? I can't tell you how much. I know he changed. He changed the flavor a little bit because, again, again, if you read his books, he did state, well, he worked for Ziff Davis and he had to sell magazines. So he had a story. He got. He had to. He did change it in form that would be more attractive to readers. So yes, the, the trouble is now we can't tell what he changed just to make it uh, more readable. And what Shaver did, it would be sure nice to have Shaver's original manuscript, so we don't have that. But again, he was that was his job when he was working for Ziff Day, and he's freely admitted in his books too that he had to write the so he could sell magazines. <laughs> Being a uh, an editor myself, and I did get a lot of correspondence from Shaver. Uh, at that uh, 
Let's see, at some point we were putting out a, a newsletter called The Searchlight, which was devoted to uh, the Shaver mystery pretty much in the inner earth uh, material. And the uh, Shaver would write on uh, onion skin uh, paper, usually sent you like the third carbon uh, copy, hadn't changed the ribbon in uh, years. And I know in order to uh, uh, to print the Shaver's material, I'd have to put a new piece of uh, paper into the typewriter and just start kind of from scratch. The flavor of the material was there, but uh, the uh, the essence of professional writing seemed to be, uh, frankly, uh, somewhat uh, lacking. And I know I, I published some correspondence from your dad that he had written me, and the fact of the matter is he said he did have to change a lot of... Um, uh, the material, I mean, uh, make it more uh, readable. Uh, certainly, uh, Shaver had the uh, habit of writing in very, very long, uh, you know, drawn-out uh, sentences, uh, which he thought he was probably being very colorful, but uh, he didn't quite have that uh, down as far as I'm, I'm concerned. His information was more important than the style that he, uh, he wrote in, and I believe you did uh, realize that as uh, well. But there had been a great controversy. In fact, in my own book, uh, The Shaver Mystery in the Inner Earth, I have a correspondence from both of them where they both denied what the other individual was saying. Uh, Shaver would claim, though, that he wrote, you know, 90% of the material and Palmer didn't have to do any of the editing. And he did kind of like uh, defraud at that because he realized he had to put a lot of work into it. You know, let me raise one thing here about The Shaver Mystery. When I interviewed your dad back in 1965, he revealed that during the eight years that Shaver said he was down in the caves, he was actually institutionalized. What do you mm-hmm. know about that? Uh, just what uh, my dad has said, and uh, he wrote about that, too. And also my mother uh, confirmed that, too, yes. So, yes, he physically, his body physically was, uh, I don't know, actually I could find the name of the place where it was, too, some of one of his dad's articles, too. But, yeah, that's what uh, it was. But again, where the question always comes to me, where does information really come from? Well, the key here is that he said he believed Shaver anyway, that his mind was somewhere that was real and that he had a real encounter. On the other hand, when I asked Shaver about this, and I asked him a number of times, I have an article for my magazine that published your father's interview, an article from Richard Shaver where he denied he was in such a place. Said it didn't happen. Yeah, I, mean, I guess one of our Hidden World uh, magazines, Dad did write the same thing. He, he asked Shaver that and told him that, and Shaver said, well, I'm, it's just as if I'm talking to you now. This is how it happened. So, yes, there was a... But how Dad found out about Shaver Institution, I guess one of the readers was a nurse at one of these institutions and wrote my father. So that's how he got that information. So basically your dad said, I got the evidence here, Richard Shaver was in this institution or more than one institution for a number of years. Shaver says that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Again, again, without having the name of the nurse or anything, we can't tell either, but that's the source of where my dad got the information from. Okay, but we don't dismiss Shaver as just being crazy. Uh, no, I've never just, what I've known him, no. Depends on me called crazy. He, I, I, I think he gets, he's able to get information that... A lot of us can't, but not, that doesn't mean that it's not out there. We just can't prove it yet. And I always say, they always want proof, yeah, but I just say we can't prove it yet. Well, Ray, how much, how, percentage-wise, how much did you believe of what uh, 
Richard Schaefer was saying. I mean, do you really believe that there are Jero and Jero and this underground uh, civilization that's trying to erase havoc and chaos here on the surface? Well, I guess I'm sort of like my dad on that. I I believe he, I don't like to use believe. I just, I think that he was getting information and very possibly he was interpreting it the way he thought it should be. It doesn't mean that it was interpreted right, and it certainly doesn't mean that he didn't see it or experience it. It's just that his interpretation of it and what has, is, is not uh, what we can understand. Again, I don't say that it, it doesn't exist. I sort of think probably what he did did exist, but it's just the interpretation that has got jumbled so much. Your dad believes that they're a more paranormal or astral um, uh, concept uh, of this, but yet on the other hand, there were thousands and thousands of uh, readers who sent in uh, their letters saying, some of them saying that they had been in the caves, and others saying that they had heard the, the voices and that they knew that the uh, Nero had existed. In fact, in the uh, Hidden World series, which we still keep in print, we have some of the volumes and uh, there are many of these letters that were actually reprinted in there from the early issues of Amazing uh, Stories. And uh, to this day, uh, of course, a lot of people do believe uh, in the existence of the Dero and the Tero and of these ancient uh, mind manipulation machines. And the mystery goes on, even though, of course, it's not as popular as it might have been in the uh, 1940s. Uh, many people have uh, heard of it, of course, and even Look Magazine, I think, uh, went at one point in an article on the uh, Shaver mystery. Well, another point, too, I remember my mother saying when Shaver would have these uh, spells, or his, uh, Dorothy would call him, he'd be his sickness, he, Shaver said whenever it came to him, be like a pain. And a lot of times, my mom, when you'd hear these sometimes people on TV that do horrible things, like mass shootings or something back in the past, and they were said they were told to do this, and they said it's like a pain. And Mom always said, "Well, I sort of believe him because that's exactly what Richard said." So is, is it? Are we influenced? I sort of think we probably are a little bit. Now, there's a story that your dad told, and it's kind of a frightening story. And I want to frame this, and we'll probably continue in the next segment. Maybe you can tell me more about it. And the reason I bring this up is this interview and many of the other interviews that I had done and my first wife, Geneva, had done for a magazine called Caveat Tour are going to be republished in the near future. We're digitizing a lot of old content from these magazines. We have the interview with your father, interview with Shaver, interview with Tim Beckley and many others. And your dad told a story here where they're going to have a special Shaver mystery issue of Amazing Stories magazine. And they want to get all the stuff right, all the scientific information right. And what he said here is that they sent this to a typesetter. Remember, we're using hot type, lead. This is old-fashioned typography in the 1940s. They had their best typesetter produce all the mathematical tables, which is very difficult to do because I've done work in typesetting. It's really, really difficult to set down equations. It's hard enough to do it with a word processor. So we imagine here... They've got all this information, all these figures, to the best typesetter at this particular printing plant. And what your dad said, Ray, is that when they got back the proofs, this is the samples to see that everything was okay, there were more than 100 errors on a single page. Do you recall that? I recall the story, and again, Tim might remember which, which uh, issue that was published in. But again, my dad did publish that and showed some of the errors. It was fascinating because your dad went to the typesetter or the printer's representative went there and said, these errors, 
how could you possibly do anything like this? And I'll tell you what he said in a moment. We have Raymond B. Palmer, son of Raymond A. Palmer, Tim Beckley with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Land in Buenos Aires, then are shuttled to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa, it's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more. All more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com. The big game hunting ranch. GoldenStagSafaris.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris, we're talking to Raymond B. Palmer, son of Raymond A. Palmer, and Tim Beckley, talking about a fascinating gentleman who was a pioneer in UFO research. All right, so what your dad told me, Ray, is that the typesetter said, I didn't set that. I didn't do this. I couldn't do that horrible work. Yet, according to Ray, the slug, the identification, was from that typesetter. The suggestion being that maybe they made it difficult for him to get that information down accurately. What do you think? Oh, well, that's the same story I heard. So I have no, again, that was before my time, so I have no information about that. And I, so, again, that's, that's your, your basic account is what I've read about that and heard about over the years. Right. So the other thing is here, it was another story that your dad told, that he was, I guess, bringing the proofs down to the printer. And he was driving in Chicago. And this was your sister with him at the time? Do you know what I'm talking about? It could be, yes. Okay. And they had a near accident that someone deliberately tried to run him off the road. What do you know about that? 
Uh, just one of my dad wrote, and again, that's an accurate portrayal of what he wrote, yes. But again, peripherals firsthand, I don't know, but I am going to call my cousin in Vegas, and that was her mother. I'm going to ask her about that. That sounds fascinating and frightening. Mm-hmm. And supposedly the person who tried to run your dad and your sister off the road was laughing after it happened. The implication being made with these two stories is that the inner earth dwellers influence that typesetter to make mistakes, cause that driver to want to run your dad off the road. Is that where I'm getting at? That's right. Did anyone ever look at the mistakes and uh, analyze them and see if there was some sort of message being sent or a pattern or something? Not that I'm aware of. I, I just can't, like I say, one of the issues that Dad did, maybe in Amazing Stories, maybe in some other one, he did reproduce some of the original galleys with mistakes on them. But I can't tell you which one right now. You know, there was also a rumor going around that uh, towards the end, the FBI had actually visited uh, your dad and told them to stop printing uh, the Shaver Mystery uh, articles. Do you know anything about that? Uh, that I've heard about, too, yes. Oh, okay, we're getting back on well, just a little tangent here. We're talking about interviews. Several years ago, you were not yet there in 1975. I would say probably 19... I'm not sure. There was four men that they claimed they were from the University of Stevens Point, and they came and interviewed, and they probably got 10, 12 hours of tape. Honda Shaver mystery. And the last time they were there, they said, we're going to come back one more time because we just got a couple things we want to tie down. And they never showed up again. And then a while later, this was the Watergate time period, Dad came to me and showed me a picture on the paper. And there's a guy with a beard, dark hair, was one of the uh, FBI tape specialists that was specialists that were uh, looking at the Watergate tapes. And Dad said to me, doesn't this guy look familiar? He looks like the guy that was here interviewing us. So that was, I, and again, I, I'm not sure who was or wasn't, but it's just strange. These, these so-called college students were going to do a, a paper or something on my father. They came, they came four nights in a row, said they'd come back, and then they disappeared, and we never heard anything else. But all I think I know for sure is there's 10 or 12 hours worth of tapes out there, and somebody has them, which would be really interesting to find. <laughs> so maybe even on your show, if you could mention that, we might go there you got first-hand talking to my dad. Well, we have a worldwide audience, as you know. Mm-hmm. We're heard on a number of radio stations, including a New York radio station, WVNJ, and I suppose if anyone out there has any information, we'd love to hear it. I'd also like to see who has recordings of Ray Palmer and Richard Shaver. Now, I don't have the recordings of the interviews I did with your dad or with Mr. Shaver, but I know other people did. I also know that I arranged to have your dad interviewed on WCAU in Philadelphia for an all-night occult radio show on a few occasions. So we kind of hope there that Maybe there are recordings of that. Of course, that information was pretty basic. We were catering to a general audience that really wasn't attuned to the Shaver mystery and all this stuff. So maybe that's where it is. Yeah, there, there is a very famous uh, audio uh, tape of Long John Neville uh, interviewing uh, both uh, Ray Palmer and uh, Richard Shaver. And yes, that was that just one Yeah, that one was available. In fact, uh, we, we give it out and, and so forth for many years now. And I think even Fate Magazine, I gave Phyllis a copy, and, and she uh, uh, runs an ad for it in Fate from time to time. 
I was just going to mention that, but also I have, when Dad and Richard did the John Neville show, they had a tape recording running in the phone office where they were. So we have the tape on this side of the recording, too. And that and we can hear on their, the, this side of the recording, because they were talking about they had interference where they couldn't, uh, they couldn't uh, talk to each other all the time. And it was suggested, well, okay, maybe the Daryl are tampering with the telephone lines. <laughs> but again, I have the, I have the one that Gray Barker sent me, I believe, or Tim, you might have sent it to me too, of the show. But I also have a reel-to-reel tape of the one that Dad made when Richard was with him at the at the uh, telephone company, with their remarks too, which are a little different that are on the tape. I don't want to give out any book ideas here, but I will. I think someone needs to write the biography, an authorized biography of Raymond A. Palmer, because he had well, such an interesting life. There's been several out there, but they always have want to put a spin on it a little bit. And as I said, Dad, Dad, every, everything Dad did, he wrote down, so it's mainly a research project that somebody needs to do and put down. And then you get it, like say, straight from the horse's mouth. Well, it would be fascinating if they don't have the spin. I yep. think that would be great to do something like that. Let's go on to more of the experiences now. We hear about all these crazy things happening with the inner earth and people being interfered with. Did anything ever happen to you in your life that indicates some kind of effort by someone or something to exert this kind of control? Well, the only thing personally, like I say, in my younger years, I didn't pay a lot of attention. I grew up with Richard. But I would say probably when I get my 30s, I started reading all the shaver material. And again, some of that... Uh, because I knew what he was talking about and was familiar with it, then I thought, well, okay, some of this sounds like it's really real. And the farther I got into it, I started getting a terrible pain in my shoulder. And it got worse and worse, and I finally stopped reading the material, and the pain went away. And then I, I, didn't, I didn't read the material for three or four years later, and then I started into it again, got into that kick, and that same pain came back again. So I just... Then I, then I remember reading some of my dad's articles about the same thing happening to people like that, that something happens. I said, well, I guess that is a very good deterrent to stop reading because I certainly didn't like that pain. But again, you can't know how why it came, but it, that did happen to me. <laughs> so that, as far as a personal thing, yes, that's coincidence or not, the pain wasn't real. Uh, wasn't that's pretty real, bizarre. But, uh, bizarre, yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's... Uh... It's well, not you, a very you, good you, inducement to keep uh, to keep reading. So if it's true that you start believing or really getting into it, you get uh, attacked or is just, I don't know. All I know is it happened that way. And like I say, when I first started reading, it was, I didn't really think there was anything really special about it because, I, again, growing up, with it, it's not special to you. But then as I got into it, I said, well, some of the stuff seems real. <laughs> Did you ever decide to engage in your own investigation of this stuff? Uh, what do you mean by investigation, I guess? Trying to follow up the stories, trying to see what was going on, even if you weren't going to be a writer, at least accumulate the information. Uh, no. Everyone's fine. I still do look at some of the, because they, they still have some of the letters that were sent to Dad from by people. And uh, some are very interesting, yes. But that's about as far as I go. Nothing new, though, no. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'm talking, I used to travel quite a bit. And, again, just talking to travelers and we get into different subjects. Uh, yeah, we would, I would find that some people have same experiences. Like same, I used to fly quite a bit, and I used to uh, talk to pilots a lot about flying saucers. If we had long enough time, 
most of the time they don't want to talk to you at first. But if you had a long enough time to talk to them and they realize that you weren't really a, let's say, not a skeptic or a, something that made fun of them, the ones that saw something would eventually say, yeah, I've seen something like that too. You know what? We'll get into so much more of this coming up with Raymond B. Palmer and Tim Beckley with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. What's better than Mountain House freeze-dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze-dried food. Now the freeze-dried guy introduces convenient, easy-to-store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top-selling items. Each item is sealed in a Mylar-type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25-year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at-home use. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on freeze-dried foods, and choose our 12-month, six-month, three-month, one-month, or seven-day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP 
is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Just sitting back and enjoying the stories of his dad and his own experiences from Raymond B. Palmer with Tim Beckley, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast, of course, and we continue with our show, hearing all this fascinating stuff and these fascinating tales. Now, at some point in time, when Ziff Davis moved to New York, your dad worked with Kurt Fuller to start Fate magazine. What can you tell us about that? Well, actually, Fate was started before Ziff Davis left. Okay. They had a, um, I believe they had a storefront bookstore called Venture Books or something. I'm not sure of that. Uh, but, yes, they, Mom and Dad actually were looking for places to move up in Wisconsin for four years prior to that. We have have old pictures of that, different sites they were looking to live. So Dad was planning to leave Ziff Davis and go on his own prior to that. And um, and he had, as Mom said, Dad was the fair-haired boy back then, and there was many, many of the editors wanted to go in with him to be a partner with him. And for some reason, he, he chose Kurt Fuller. I, I never could quite get the uh, the story why he chose Kurt. Maybe because Kurt was more of the businessman and Dad was more of the writer type. But that's how that started. And actually, when it started with Fate Magazine, Dad had to, their mom had to put in most of the money. I still got a lot of the canceled checks for Kurt because at that time, Mary, his wife, got very ill. So Kurt couldn't uh, leave his job. And there was a little secrecy there about the, him starting the magazine. So that's, again, that's why Dad had the name Robert Webster in the Fate magazine as the editor. But Robert Webster was my dad. So, again, it was, I guess, the story's a little sketchy. But, again, the point was that for a while, Kurt just did not have the money to put in the magazine. And he also had to keep his job at Ziff Davis because of his wife's illness. But then very shortly after that, Kurt uh, paid up his share, and they had a pretty good relationship, really. Now, the question I have here, though, is they eventually split up, and Uh Ray moved his operations to Wisconsin, started his own magazine. In fact, in a sense, one of his publications, Search, was almost a rival to fate. Was there Uh some kind of falling out between Kurt Fuller and Uh, Ray No, they thought, no, not really falling out. It's just that my dad and mom, this is my mom's story, they thought Kurt and them were going to be living close together each one of them. But as it turned out, my dad came up to Wisconsin here, and Kurt didn't want to leave whatever home he had or whatever back then. So it was more of a distant thing than a uh, personal. Because actually all, all I can remember as far as Kurt and Mary Fuller is that they had quite a good relation. Mom would actually talk to Mary for a while and everything. And there's sort of a humorous story about Mary Fuller, because Mary Fuller was sort of a proper lady and didn't think uh, much of my dad's shenanigans as a that's maybe part of the issue that was raised by Jerome Clark, who was once a managing editor of Fate magazine. But go on, please. 
so again, Mary didn't think much. They were friends and everything, but she just didn't think about, like, say, my dad's shenanigans. But then after, shortly before Mary died, somebody had written in Fate an article about my dad, and Mary called Mom up fit to be tied because she said, none of this is true. So they talked a while, and Mom was quite amused about that because Mom was very easygoing. But then she told me, well, Dad finally won, won Mary over. <laughs> so that was after Dad died, too. But again, it was some story. It could have been after Kurt died or something like that where somebody in fate had made an article about Dad, that, and Mary, Mary finally realized what they're talking about Dad isn't true. May not, it may not say that she still agreed with Dad's position sometimes, but she, she just wanted the truth to be out. So that, that sort of tickled my mom that, as he said, Dad finally won her over. Even after he died, died he won her over. <laughs> I guess that was the impression that Jerome Clark had of the whole thing, that they didn't much like Ray Palmer, and maybe that came from Mary Fuller. Now, I interviewed the Fullers in the 1980s, and I found them to be a really engaging couple, you know, really a lot of fun to talk to. And I had a great interview. That's also one of the interviews, by the way, we are going to publish one of these days. But it was really fascinating to have talked to them and talked to people who were at the pioneers of UFO research. But, of course, this was in a time here where Fate Magazine, I guess, did fairly well on the newsstands for many years. But your father had all sorts of problems with his publications, and finally he had to start his own printing plant. Yes, that was because uh, one of the distributors went bankrupt. And... uh the story is they owed Dad $60,000, and back then $60,000 was a lot of money. So without that money coming in for his, because uh, he, he was hiring commercial printers to do his printing. So what they did is they, uh, well, they were short on money, so what, basically what Dad did is they went down to the bank, borrowed $80,000, and started his own printing plant. And we have to understand here, $60,000, this is the 1960s, right? Yes. So we're talking about today, what would that be? Like uh, well, half a million? Yeah. And also, they're, because he didn't, they were short on money, the printers, uh, and they couldn't pay quite as quickly, the printers put them on the back shelf. So it was hard to get publications out on time, too. And I think that was more of the main reason why they just went into their own business themselves, because they wanted to try to get uh, control of their publishing business. Well, you know, your dad probably had the largest circulation of any regularly published UFO magazine uh, ever, pretty much. And uh, I remember the logo was Wisco, Wisconsin International Sales Company. And uh, that magazine, I used to go up to Times Square and buy from a little uh, dealer there. It was 35 cents. And then uh, later on, I ended up uh, writing for, I don't know how many, five or six years, I did a regular column for the magazine called uh, On the Trail of the Flying Saucers which was some of my best material because in those days I was traveling around the, uh, the country pretty much on a regular basis and interviewing all kinds of uh, strange and unusual people who had all sorts of experiences to tell. And it was a wonderful experience, and, and Ray's magazine was read far and wide. He had a, he had a circulation of almost 40,000, I think, at uh, one point, which for a UFO magazine. Tim, maybe in the early well, years I, it I, was, I but you had, it. if you know that, by U.S. postal regulations, yep. you had to indicate the number of copies you print. You still have those regulations. You look at a print magazine every year, they've got to file a notice with the Postal Service indicating circulation, how many printed, how many sold. He never had a circulation that high, but for a while it was fairly high, yeah. Yeah, it's fairly high, but again, you, you could go back to those old magazines and find out what they were. 
and I can't tell you exactly exact number I, I, either. I remember, I remember the figures, and they were well over 30,000 at uh, one point. And then they started to, to dip a little when he changed the format into a smaller digest, I think. That, that always seemed to be the curse of uh, publishing. For years, I know they, the distributors kept telling Fate Magazine, oh, you got to make it an eight and a half by 11 book because the dealers won't put it out and blah, blah, blah. And they tried that and didn't work, and then they went back to the digest size. But I think Reader's Digest and Fate were probably one of the two the smaller digest size magazines that actually ever has, has survived because most dealers don't have a place to display those small little uh, magazines. Now, if Dan's original size, they could slip it in next to, like, Del Horoscope and all. And that, and that magazine was was all over the place, and he distributed it himself. He didn't go to a national distributor. He dealt with the wholesalers and the uh, news dealers uh, directly. And having been in the business for many years, that's almost totally unheard of. And the problem, of course, we used to always have, I had done some work for commercial magazines at the time. We're talking about the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And the thing you'd find here is that unless you were a very large publisher with a large staff to monitor it, those distributors, frankly, would just plain rip you off. We'll get into more yeah, of this in a moment. I've heard that, too, from my dad, too. Raymond B. Palmer joining us with Tim Beckley and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Looking back on 2012, we ask ourselves, how did we ever survive from natural disasters like Hurricane Sandy and the devastating summer drought to the family hardships brought on by a disastrous economy? Our hearts go out to those that have lost everything. At eFoods Direct, we hear from customers every day that are fortunate enough to weather life's storm by having a supply of food on hand. After Hurricane Sandy, Danny from New York City wrote, almost all the grocery stores are closed, but I managed to get my eFoods just in time to be able to help my sister and niece. It is better to be prepared 10 years too early than one day too late. I can warn you, but I can't feed you. Heed the warnings and do what Alex has done. Call 800-409-5633 today or go to efoodsdirect.com slash Alex and build your food supply. It's the best tasting non-GMO long-term storable food on the planet. Call 800-409-5633 or efoodsdirect.com slash Alex. You can bet your life on efoodsdirect. Land in Buenos Aires, then a shuttle to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. 
After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa. It's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more, all more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com, the big game hunting ranch, GoldenStagSafaris.com. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Fascinating remembrances of Raymond A. Palmer by his son, Raymond B. Palmer, and Tim Beckley on the Paracast with Gene and Chris. Exploring right now the publications that Ray had, Flying Saucers Magazine, Search Magazine, and then later, he decided to bring back a lot of the classic Schaefer stories in the hidden world, which Tim has since republished. Okay, come back one thing. Tim, were you just talking about Fate Magazine or Flying Saucer Magazine for circulation? Oh, Flying Saucer Magazine. Oh, okay, because I know Fate was a lot higher than Flying Saucers. Yeah. Oh, it was, yeah. I think, uh, I think Fate at one time actually had uh, circulation of about 135,000. That was including subscriptions, but what had happened there, and that kind of came back to, 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 to bite them, is that most of the subscriptions were published through, like, Publishers Clearinghouse, where you get, mm-hmm. you know, like a dollar, uh, even though they sell the magazine for $3 for a 12 subscription, you end up getting a dollar. Well, if you got the advertising, the supporter, like a lot of major magazines, that's fine. It's all just, like, found money. But the postage rate, rates kept going up and up and up, as did the printing. So at the end... They had no cash coming in, but they still had to send out like thirty or 40,000 subscriptions to the people that had paid the dollar for their magazine. So basically, you'd be publishing that magazine at a loss. Absolutely. Well, of course, most magazines, if they don't have advertising, are published uh, to break even or at a loss. I, I did a, a, I probably packaged and uh, published about 30 magazines over the years. Most of them, if they broke even and only lasted maybe six issues, you were doing uh, good. Now... In those days, the national distributors would give you an advance that would cover your printing and your initial cost, but as sales of pulp magazines disintegrated, well, they wouldn't do that anymore, and they would take back the money that you made on one magazine because the other two that you were publishing uh, didn't make any money, so you'd end up, uh, you know, like with no money in the coffer to put out anything eventually after a while. 
Yes, okay. that's exactly what happened to my dad with when he acquired Space World magazine. Okay, this was interesting, because tell me about this here. Now, after publishing occult magazines, you know, unusual, strange, unusual publications, your dad came out with something that was totally out of left field, I guess. He acquired Space World magazine. And we're talking here about a scientific publication. Oh, yes, he acquired it. I can't remember the name. Tim might know him. Seems like Otto Bender. Was that or not? Otto Bender, uh, yeah, yes. Otto Bender was the editor for a long, long time. Yeah. And I think if you said that was his best-selling magazine for a while. He also did Rocket World. Was it at Rocket World? We did, yeah. What, what was that? Yeah, Rocket something. But Rocket Exchange, yes. That didn't do too well. But again, when he acquired Space World, it's exactly what you said. It was done by these uh, companies that sold it at such a discount. True, he had 30,000 copy circulation, but they weren't making any money off it. That's why I think Bender gave it to my dad or whatever, acquired it some way, because he had 30,000 copies he had to supply every month, but he wasn't making any money off it. So what my dad did is he, once he took it over, they ran the 30,000 until the subscriptions ran out, and then he went basically, he did newsstands too, but he did basically subscription price, and so the circulation cut down, but the Space Road was a good moneymaker. And which Dad said, that made money to fund his own other operations, like Tim says. Some of the other operations don't make money, but you still want to do them, though. <laughs> so, Tim, of course, you got into publishing. Were you heavily influenced by Ray Palmer when you got in your own business? Well, of course. I mean, uh, if, there, if there hadn't been a Ray Palmer, I don't know if there would be a uh, Tim Berkeley uh, publishing uh, enterprise uh, today. Uh, Ray Palmer and, of course, uh, Greg Barker, uh, Greg Barker, who wrote a column for... Uh, Ray Palmer called uh, Chasing the Flying Saucers. I guess they both uh, influenced me uh, greatly. I, I I went out and I would search high and low for every issue of uh, Flying Saucers magazine and search, which uh, originally I think wasn't it, Ray, wasn't it uh, titled Mystic? Okay, yes. It was Mystic yeah. first, yes. Yeah, and they anyway, were searching, I, yeah, I they devoured were... every issue. If I read yes, every issue were... of those that I could uh, find, read them cover to cover, and you know, I still have them, uh, some of them uh, today. They don't hold up well. Those pulp magazines are not exactly collectibles. It's kind of like collecting the Dead Sea Scrolls or something. But uh, I still have quite a few of them uh, up here in uh, you know, bags of one sort or another to try to keep the dust uh, off of them. My trouble is I don't have all the, all the copies. I sure wish I had all the issues that my dad published, but I'm missing some, too. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I was looking around the other day before we decided to do this interview... I do not have a single copy of Flying Saucers or Search or Mystic. Hmm. I had a good collection. I had all of them at one time. Tim? Oh, I know. I know. My, my collection got wiped out a couple of times by floods. That's always a big uh, problem. Uh, weather and erosion. I mean, the magazine. You know, we never really thought of uh, comic book collectors, you know, because comics are certainly a lot more valuable than Flying Saucer uh, uh, magazines as collectibles. They would keep them in airtight uh, bags. We never really thought of doing that. We kept them on the back porch or in the cellar or in some storage unit somewhere, and uh, uh, they went pretty quickly. You know, they, yeah, that's, they just, that's our they same problem. Hold up so well, and, uh, and there are quite a few in circulation, but you know, people still do have them. But a lot of the original pe- uh, people who would have uh, read Flying Saucers and Search Magazine, Mystic, of course, has since uh, passed over, and uh, usually the next generation out has no interest in the stuff and in the dumpster it goes. 
Yep, that's been my problem. I do have a story about that, too. Sure. Because Shaver, Shaver was a painter. His early years, he was an artist, too. And we had many of many of his paintings here. And like Tim said, we to us, they weren't, they were nice and everything, but they weren't special, special. So we put them on the back shelf, and then they got damaged by water. And today, if I had all those paintings, I'd be a millionaire. Because I believe Richard Shavers has several, several people have collections of his paintings, and some have been shown in museums now. Yes, they have. But again, for a strange story in Richard Shavers' paintings. Um, if you remember Richard Shavers' paintings, he did many grotesque-type creatures and image, like 3D image upon image. Years ago, I met his daughter. His daughter had never never seen her father or anything, and she somehow found about my mother, and she contacted her, and she came over, and we had we have videos, uh, not videos, but of old 60-millimeter uh, tapes of her father and everything. And we were, showed her what her father looked like and what he, what he was doing. We talked about it. And uh, then we started talking about what she did, and she she's a painter too. And then she stole, showed us some of her paintings. And here you have paintings... Here she never knew her father or anything. Didn't know that he was alive until, because her, her grandparents said that he Richard had died, so she thought he had died. Didn't even know he was alive until she saw his name into a science fiction magazine or a register. And then we see her paintings, and they're the same paintings as his. Grotesque pictures of creatures, multidimensional. So that it's just strange that she's doing the same type of painting as Richard did. Oh, wow. Is there any repository today of any of this vintage Richard Schaefer material? Well, I guess there has been some museum or something that has had, had a show on Richard's paintings, but I don't know which one it is. Well, yeah, there, there's a fellow who travels around uh, with the, uh, Schaefer's uh, paintings and does uh, things in the art, uh, art museums, but it's not a a permanent collection in one in one place. You can Google it on the uh, internet. I think he's been in New York and Chicago and different places uh, as an exhibitor. And one other thing about his paintings, again, it's just like I say, I just saw this interesting that him and his daughter paint the same thing, and she never knowing this about her father. But also, if you remember, Tim, you remember the book of Waspy, the oh. paintings, the paintings that uh, are in back there. There's several are multi-dimensional too, with image upon image. And my dad used to uh, say that maybe this is where Shaver is getting his information, too, from the same source well, well, that the You know, when I was um, uh, 15 years old, I was uh, selling some of your dad's books. He would drop shipping for me, and we sold old Ospie. And in those days, even with the leather binding, it was like $10, right? And we have to explain. We need to explain what a Ospie is. Yeah. And what this is all about, because I know Ray sold this very lovely, carefully crafted edition of a waspy. We have to explain that and the story behind it coming up. This is, to be very conservative about it, one fascinating episode. We have Tim Beckley, sometimes called Mr. UFO, and we have Raymond B. Palmer joining us. And Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. We travel so much, and having a fake TV, well, it gives added peace of mind. Burglars look for houses that appear to be easy targets, but fake TV can fool even professional burglars into thinking someone is home watching television. As a recent widow living alone, it gives me great peace of mind to set my fake TV near a window and know that passing motorists and pedestrians will think someone is home watching TV when I'm actually away from home. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet, just like a light on a timer. And they're so easy to use, you just plug them in and they're ready to go. Plus, they're so affordable that we have one upstairs and downstairs. Fake TV is only $34.95. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV. The Burglar Deterrent. Preparedness is simple. When you have the right stuff, and with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters, DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill grain mills. Excalibur food dehydrators. Tatler reusable canning lids. Sun oven solar cookers. EMP bags to protect sensitive electronics. And don't be without your Life Straw personal water filter. All from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple with the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231. And the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. This is Hilly Rose, and I hope that you do listen to the Paracast because you will learn a great deal about the paranormal. With Gene and Chris, we have Raymond B. Palmer and Tim Beckley, and we've raised a discussion of something that we've never talked about on the Paracast. Now, let either you, Ray, or you, Tim, describe it. What is OASPI? Let me me just finish by saying that, like I mentioned, when I was in my teens, I used to sell this book, OASPI, which was about 800 pages, I believe, because Dan's uh, edition was. Uh, Today, I actually have a two-volume, 1,250-page set. It's the Raymond A. Palmer Tribute edition of uh, OASPI, and it still sells to this day. And the uh, organization behind the the, uh, the book uh, is still very active, and they have their own publication and uh, their own museum in New Mexico. Maybe Ray can explain a, a little bit about the history of the book. Uh, yes, I could. Again, again, my dad has it. Uh, actually, the issue that Olaski that he published, he does have very good account in the back of it, how the book originated. But basically, it was written by automatic writing by John Newborough, and it was written at a incredible speed on an old Shoals typewriter. And the story was, Burr was, was a dentist, but he was interested in the spiritual. Spiritualism was very big at that time. Mm-hmm. And again, I wish I had the paper right in front of me so I don't misquote anything, but again, he, he had a vision, I guess. Yes, he had a vision where these lights came into his room, and he wanted to know about uh, what was, I guess, what the truth was. And these uh, angels are Visions told him that for 10 years he had to live a simple lifestyle, not eat meat, help people out whenever he could, and at that time he'd be ready to receive this information. So he, he talked about this to his, one of his friends. He said, well, okay, it's a hard thing to do, but this friend said, well, I'll, I'll help you do this so you can, so you can do this 10-year fast, we call it. And after the 10 years, these lights came again, and these, these people came and told him to buy a typewriter and get paper. And Newberl did this, and then every morning, sometime before morning, he would sit at typewriters, and his fingers would just move automatically, typing at an incredible rate of speed. And I can't remember what it was. Again, if you if you look at what my dad wrote, you can tell how fast he said he was typing. Well, yeah, we're talking we're talking about what 1880 or something. So you can imagine the typewriters uh, of that uh, period. I, I think he said like 90 words a minute, which would have been. Uh, Absolutely yeah, uh, impossible on on those on those uh, machines, but he had quite a following for a, a, a while. Uh, you know, he, he lived in upstate New York. He was a dentist. He lived in upstate New York, and that part of the country was very active in paranormal uh, phenomena. Of course, that's where the uh, the Fox sisters first heard their tappings on the wall, right? And uh, then, of course, the uh, the Church of uh, Mormon was actually started uh, there. That's where. Uh, the visions took place, and the golden tablets were supposedly uh, uh, founded. So uh, the creation of Oski kind of wasn't out of sync 
with what was going on at that time. But many people actually consider Osby one of the most important books ever written, and supposedly it was channeled, for use of a better term, by these being celestial beings uh, who told about the history of the planet Earth and the, the universe going back, I don't know, thousands and thousands of years. And uh, it had a, a lot of material there, not on uh, Atlantis or Lemuria, but on Pan, which was supposed to be a lost continent that existed in the Pacific. Uh, yes, yes, that's the basic uh, history of the Earth. And also, it was been written in two parts, the book was. The top part of the page was the history of the what uh, Lofty calls the lower heavens, which they say influenced the people on Earth. And then it, it corresponds with the history on Earth. So basically, if there's wars in the lower heavens, eventually there's going to be wars on Earth. It's just, it's just uh, again, to sh- going back to Shaver, because Dad would always say that, well, that's similar to what Shaver says. Shaver says we're influenced. And then Waspy says, yes, we are influenced by the, these uh, beings. You want to call them spirits or whatever you want to call them. But that is the basic uh, text of the book. And again, it has some portion of the book on cosmology. It has many scientific, what we call scientific, uh, statements which have come true over the years. And I just remember years, several years ago when one of the Hubble telescope pictures was shown on the news. And I looked at it, and I said, I've seen this picture before. And I went over to Waspy, and there the same picture was. And here they, on news, they, it's a picture that's never been seen before. And describe so, what this picture is all about, Ray. Oh, I need to... Talk to him for a second. I'll get the book and look at it, and I'll be able to tell you right now. I'll be gone for about 10 seconds. Okay, well, he's gone for 10 seconds. We're going to describe what's going on here, ladies and gentlemen, with OASPI. Some call it a Bible of some sort. It was received by automatic writing. It was typed, and the book has appeared in various and sundry editions over the years and supposedly contains some fascinating information. Tim? I believe that Ray's edition, he had the original one. He had gotten a copy of it in a photo, uh, in a photo reproduction. That edition had um, about 850 pages. Now, the one we published has all the other added material, material that the channel um, had uh, added uh, subsequently, so it comes up to about 1,250 pages with a lot of footnotes uh, and so forth. And then there were the portraits of the spirits, or the uh, the angels that actually uh, delivered the, the messages. I think there were eight of them uh, altogether. Ours is the only edition that actually publishes them in uh, color. But the the dentist that it just totally obviously changed his life. Uh, you know, he became uh, spiritually involved, if you want to say involved, if you want to say this. And one of the messages that was uh, delivered by these uh, spiritual beings was that we should take care of the children and the orphans. So they actually had a colony. They set up a headquarters in uh, New Mexico and, and set up a, um, a community there where they actually accepted uh, orphans. I don't know, they had a, a, hundred, a couple of hundred orphans at one point. Uh, but then, the, um, I guess, just uh, around the, uh, the turn of the century or maybe slightly before, the economy turned bad and the, um, the, some of the buildings, I think, are still there. Not in very good uh, condition, but the uh, uh, the organization. You know, one thing I always liked about Alaska Gene was it was not preachy. You either accepted it or bought into it. They didn't go out and bang on people's doors and try to convert them. It's a history book, uh, kind of merged with a little bit of uh, spiritual, a lot of uh, spirituality uh, to it. 
And uh, there are stations all over the uh, the country, perhaps all over the world, that still uh, read the book and discuss the book and have uh, meetings. I think there's even one here in uh, in Brooklyn, even though I have never attended any of the, uh, the, group, uh, the group meetings. And if you go to YouTube and type in OASPE, which is spelled O-A-H-S-P-E, I think there are even some low-budget like documentaries that have been made uh, about the book and about the teachings of the book. Okay, I'm back now, too. And what it says in the book, The Fourth Age of the Vortex. And OASPE says the creation of, like, the uh, galaxies and everything are all, they call the force of the vortex, or what we call gravity. And as planets and stars are formed they are influenced by this vortex. And different stages of their life, they exhibit different uh, shapes and everything. So this, this photo from Hubble showed what they said was, uh, I believe, two stars or something in a certain period of life. And then I just remember seeing this in a waspy. So it wasn't the first time this picture has been shown. So the sense here is that there's things in a waspy that somehow predict future discoveries. Anything else? Uh, our, our new, our new, uh, what we are now learning as in science. Sure. Or we are, our science is proving for us. I don't like to use the word science because so many people use the word science, I think, not correctly. Science is good to prove things and, or to mass produce something or something like that. But science doesn't always, isn't always good at showing everything. Something that happens very, very rarely or only once at a time, science can't prove. But it certainly doesn't mean that it doesn't, didn't exist. We're talking about here repeatable events. So science oh, works best with repeatable events, but a single phenomenon or something that happens at random that you can't predict doesn't work so well. But it still doesn't mean that it's not true, and we, our lifespan may be not long enough for us to prove it that way. But just because you can't prove it readily, people just tend to ignore things, too. People don't like to go out on a limb a lot of times, and that's definitely what Shaver did. <laughs> Well, that's part of the problem with the UFO mystery. It's the fact that you really can't predict when the UFO sightings are occurring. You might have areas where you have a lot of sightings, and maybe you'll see another, maybe you won't. And quite often in the UFO field, where you do have a wave of sightings in a specific area, as soon as lots of people start looking there, they're no longer around. So if you can't predict that it's going to be there, what do you do? Yeah, and what I'm waiting for now, seeing everybody has a cell phone with a camera throughout the world, we should be getting more pictures. And I'm not sure, Tim probably knows this more, are we getting more pictures now? They're just not reporting on the news? Or is just they're in a lull? So that's what I'm waiting for. There should be pictures. I don't think pictures. we're seeing we're seeing the type of increase that, that you would expect mm-hmm. uh, based on the proliferation of technology. we got much more to do with Raymond B. Palmer, Tim Beckley, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Injuries, slow healing, aches and pains, constipation, weakness, fatigue are all common the older one gets. The progressive deterioration of the body that occurs almost universally the older one gets can partly to significantly be prevented with conscientious attention to nutrition. If the Hanselmen can play rugby in their 90s, then it is possible for everyone in North America to experience a more youthful life as well. One key ingredient to warding off aging and reversing some of it is the type and quality of protein consumed. All protein foods or supplements you currently consume are heat damaged, destroying 50 to 75% of your ability to utilize the bodybuilding amino acids. One World Way is not heat damaged and allows your body to utilize 100% of the amino acids. This feat no one else has achieved. The results to your health can be amazing. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So the point that Chris O'Brien raised on the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien, the point that he raised at the end of our previous segment, is that with all this technology, the ease of making movies, we all have a camcorder in our pocket, our smartphones, our iOS smartphones, our Apple smartphones, our Android smartphones, all these gadgets, hundreds of millions of cameras, hundreds of millions of camcorders. We're not seeing this great increase of pictures or movies being taken of UFOs. We're talking with Raymond B. Palmer and Tim Beckley. So, Chris, you want to expand on that? Because you're in the process of setting up these webcams. Uh, correct. You know, that's it's something that 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 I predicted and and others um, obviously surmised 20 years ago that uh, with the advent of affordable uh, technology, imaging technology, that we would gradually see um, as this technology became more affordable, we'd, we'd gradually see an increase of of visual evidence. And I think what's happening is is because the technology has become affordable, we're seeing more hoaxes. We're seeing more uh, confabulated events that are passed off as, as the real thing, you know, with the, with the advent of um, After Effects and, and affordable, uh, you know, editing and special effects programs, uh, desktop versions that people can, can play with. We're seeing some very, very well-crafted hoaxes, but in terms of, of objects that exhibit uh, what could be called diagnostic uh, evidence of something high strange, we're, we're, I, don't, I don't personally see... Uh, a spike uh, in, in reports and, and good footage. How about you, Tim? Well, you know, again, uh, UFO photos and, and videos and films are kind of in the eye of the beholder because what you may see as a fake, uh, somebody else may see as uh, a legitimate. Now, the overall number of uh, videos available on YouTube, if you type them in, have uh, increased uh, tremendously. I mean, there are thousands and thousands and thousands. We don't have uh, that many hours in the day to watch them all. 
Now, to say what's authentic and what isn't authentic, uh, I mean, obviously the ones that were taken over uh, Haiti when the UFO comes down over the palm tree, I mean, that, that, that's pretty, um, you know, ridiculous and obvious to say that it's a, it's a hoax. It's kind of like believing in the Billy Meyer or something like that, you know. But a lot of the others are taken at night. And you have to admit, uh, come on, uh, Chris, uh, most people cannot take photographs in the daytime, never mind at night. You have a couple of objects hovering in the sky, they're off in the distance, uh, maybe they're blinking, uh, you know, uh, yellow, orange, blue, and green. By the time you aim your camera and point it in the direction and get the uh, the objects, uh, all you get are tiny pinpoints of, uh, you know, of light. The actual number of uh, uh, objects coming that close, I don't think is uh, actually varied. We're getting a lot more... Uh, uh, videos of objects seen at night in the, at the distance of over treetop levels, and I don't know. Some of them, some of them seem, uh, I don't know, fairly uh, convincing. But again, UFO photos and films are in the eye of the uh, beholder. And I think, Ray, this kind of uh, comes back to your dad. Uh, you know, George Adamski, probably the most famous of all the UFO contactees. Uh, your dad uh, claimed, of course, that uh, his, uh, George Adamski's uh, story, for the most part, was pretty much a hoax, and he knew it to be a hoax because uh, long before Adamski's uh, uh, first book was published, apparently your dad was presented with a manuscript, and I believe he said it was not up to the quality of what he would want to print, so he never he never published it, but he read Adamski's story before it was in print. Yes, I remember that story, and that's on the, non, the Nebel uh, radio broadcast, too. That tape you have. Now, wasn't this a book that he self-published several years before the Flying Saucers of Landed yeah, came out? Yeah, now we have we have that volume. It's called Pioneers from Space. Supposedly, Orthon was a, a messiah, a being sort of a, a Jesus, and uh, I don't know. I, I've read part of the book. It's kind of hard and difficult to uh, to get through. It is available on Kindle and on Amazon, of course. Kind of difficult to get through. I don't see that many similarities. Now, if you Go back and read the history of Adamski. You'll find that even in the 1930s, he was very much into this whole uh, metaphysical phenomena thing, you know, this whole kind of New Age uh, movement. In fact, he claimed as a, uh, a youth he had gone and traveled through Tibet, which we know is just uh, nonsense. It didn't happen. But he had uh, set up a colony or a commune uh, in the uh, mid-1930s uh, in uh, California and had even built it within a... Uh, of his building or had constructed a pyramid and had the people moved into this, uh, you know, community who were kind of New Age uh, believers. And I know this to be a fact because uh, we actually um, uh, printed one of the articles from a 1935 and 1936 uh, issue of the uh, Los Angeles uh, Times. So Adamski was into this whole metaphysical uh, movement. And according to some, it was actually through the Ouija board and a session with George Hunt Williamson that Adamski uh, made his uh, first uh, contact with um, uh, supposedly just being from um, Venus Orthon. So it's kind of up in the air. He was involved in this uh, subject for a long, long time, which a lot of his father uh, followers to this day would rather not uh, have us uh, acknowledge. So he did possibly did get this uh, uh, rather amateurish uh, written uh, uh, manuscript which became pioneers of, of space, but later on it was either doctored or he really did have an experience with some being from somewhere else. Up in the air, I don't know. I kind of sit uh, on the fence as far as Adamski goes, and I know Gene is probably a, a hardcore non-believer, and Jim Mosley, our mutual friend, he just passed away, did publish uh, an Adamski expose edition of Saucer News. And one of the things in that issue which was very important 
was that Dempsey was quoted by someone as saying, sometimes you have to get through the back door to tell the truth, which was kind of implying here that his experiences were basically not to be taken literally, but as vehicles to express his worldview. I wanted to ask you another well, thing. Go ahead. Yeah, well, yet on the other hand, uh, and we, we, we put this in Pioneers in Space, our edition as well, back around 1948, Fate Magazine published an article by Adamski uh, in which he had actually photographed through his uh, telescope objects passing over the uh, face of the moon, and there were like 30 witnesses uh, with him when this happened, and there was a big flop going on that, uh, in that part of uh, California. I think it was uh, San Diego during that period, and I believe those photos stand a better chance of being authentic than some of the uh, later hubjack ones. I'll go back to you, Ray Palmer. When I interviewed your dad, and of course over the years, he talked about something about UFOs called a fact, a piece of information that allowed him to evaluate a claim about UFOs to determine whether it was true or false. Now, supposedly in the latter years, in some of his latter publications, he began to explain what this fact is, but I don't think he ever finished. No, he didn't do it to me either. Okay, so your dad talked to you about this fact? Uh, not to, No, not really. Just what I've read on that, no. Okay, so you know nothing more than what you've read? Uh, no. So, unfortunately, whatever it was, it died with him? Uh, yes, and he died so early, so... And he was that, that they wanted to sell the business, and he wanted to get into writing, solely writing. And unfortunately, running the business took a lot of his time. If my dad lived and now, now with the Internet, the Internet would be his prime medium there. He wouldn't have to worry about running a business that way with hiring employees and everything else that comes to trouble with running a business. So, yes, he was a little before his time as far as being able to write the way he wanted to. So, yes, there's a lot that he didn't hasn't written. Now, he died in August of 1977, it says here, just after his 67th birthday. Mm-hmm. He was editor of Amazing Stories from 1938 through 1949, and I guess that was very much the heyday of pulp science fiction. Yes, I believe so, yes. Now, he, certainly, he certainly enjoyed that time of his life, too. And everybody I've talked to that ever worked to him enjoyed working with him, I said. By the, said that's, that's the best time of their life they ever had. <laughs> and, of course, the secret identity of the DC Comics character, Adam, his name was Palmer. Yeah, I, I know nothing about that. I, I've heard the rumors like that, but I haven't. There's nothing I can document here that. Well, you know, that was what was in the comic book, but you wouldn't know whether that was because of your father's influence. No, I wouldn't know that, no. Okay. We have Raymond B. Palmer, son of Raymond A. Palmer, the pioneer science fiction writer, editor, UFO investigator. So many fascinating remembrances to continue. With Tim Beckley and Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the Earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and thwarting phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, 
special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. What's going on with food prices? Have you noticed how your favorite ice cream is now 14 ounces instead of a pint? Round-trip airfares into nine major cities has increased 44% in just one year. Ask your 18 to 25-year-old what it costs to buy some nice, fashionable jeans. $300? And yet not one person in 100 realizes these prices reflect government spending and Federal Reserve Bank dollar printing. Gold in the last 10 years has increased 450%, while the dollar's purchasing power is declining daily. My name is Daniel Larson. I work at Midas Resources. To learn more about how gold and silver can protect your dwindling purchasing power and your IRA accounts, call 1-800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. Daniel Larson, 800-686-2237, extension 134. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface water well and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I wanted to go back to the OASPI book 
folks. And maybe we can talk more about its perspective here with Raymond Palmer and Tim Beckley. Either of you can answer this here. We still see references to OASPI. Is that a religion, a movement? What was it, or is it? I don't know if it's a religion. I would would consider it more of a a movement than a religion. Uh, Ray, don't they call themselves the Faithless, right? F-A-I-T-H-I-T-H-S? Yeah. And they do have have, uh, groups, but they don't call them churches or temples or anything like that. Uh, As I understand it, it's more of a discussion uh, uh, group than anything else. And you're welcome to believe what you want and and disbelieve what you don't want to believe. Uh, So it's not a rigid religion uh, as such. You can belong to one of these groups and and, and also be a a member of some other uh, faith. But they they still exist today, and they are still very active, and they have this very cosmic uh, philosophy. And and the books are readily available. There are several different uh, editions. I certainly is not the only one, and even the... Uh, Dad, uh, your dad was uh, putting it out there. Was uh, I think Wing Anderson had originally published an edition of the book going back to like 1938. So the group is still active uh, today, but I wouldn't call it a, a religion uh, as such. And they do have uh, uh, several uh, internet uh, based uh, Yahoo groups for discussion. In fact, I am a member of one of them, and I did uh, ask both uh, the Alaska group. And the uh, the Shaver Mystery uh, Group that Richard Toronto uh, is the moderator of. If they had any questions for Ray, and we did cover quite a few of them today, somebody I did I think it was Richard who wanted to know if, if you still had that uh, piece of metal from Maury Island that you were trying to uh, uh, auction off on uh, eBay, and if there was any other kind of uh, memorabilia that you still had uh, from uh, from that from the end of the period. I don't know exactly what that would that would be. Any hardcore evidence or Anything physical that you might still have? Yes, it's more what I take. I take of it. It's, it it helps answer questions of why things, why some things happen, where you can't explain it, because it implies that yes, we are influenced, and the the lower your, I say, the lower spirits do not leave Earth that far because they don't they don't believe they're dead, and they can influence us. So and, basically, uh, when you die, you become first a lower spirit, or is that a transition that you fail to you make? You transition to what you what. You, you continue on as you are, whatever essence what is your your being. I mean, I've talked to people that are one he's called himself an agnostic, but he didn't believe in God or anything like that. But then we also talk well, and according to physics, energy cannot be destroyed. So again, he says, well, he doesn't believe in God or anything, but he says, well, the energy of what we are is not destroyed. So maybe we do go on. So there's lots of different theories that way. But again, the wasp says that again the the ones what they call the evil people or something that when they die, they don't go very really far from the earth because that's, that's all they know. They can't, they don't have the mind or the ability to reach to a higher level. Because Waspi says that as you grow, you go to a higher level in heaven. Or what Waspi says is a thinner, a thinner environment. Again, I'm not really saying it properly. Tim might say it, but the atmosphere is divided into like plateaus. And as you die, you can exist on each plateau according to what your essence is, I guess. So the ones that are the lower ones still think they have control over other people, and maybe they do. Because you have to wonder why some people do some things they do. Are they pure evil, or are they just influenced by pure evil? Of course, as now, we consider the possibilities of new gun laws 
in order to protect people from getting these assault weapons if they're kind of wacky. It almost mm-hmm. becomes very current, very topical. Of course, you know, I got, I'm not in favor of new gun laws because I, I don't think that's, I still think people, people kill people. Guns just are more efficient doing it. you still got to solve the problem why people want to kill people. Assuming then that if they didn't have the assault weapons and the 30 rounds, they'd find a way to do it with some other kind of weapon. Yeah, it's just not quite as efficient, that's all, yes. <laughs> no, guns are very efficient just for what they're do, but they're, to me, they're a tool. Let's go back from the politics back to Ray Palmer. Okay, so we will never understand what the fact was. But do you think the fact, maybe Ray, was just something presented as a mechanism or a gimmick to bring discussion about? And the reason I ask you that is I had a couple of conversations with Otto Bender years ago. And he spoke very highly of your dad, but he said he was also the kind of person who would state an argument in his publications to get people writing letters. Yes, I have my little notes I was going to make today. That's, you shouldn't say it was a gimmick, but yes. My dad would write an article stating one point of view and one issue. The next issue, under a different name, he would say, well, how, how crazy is this Ray Palmer? This is my view. This is right. So yes, he would do that to stimulate people to think and get a discussion going. If he wanted, he 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 even published a, a little uh, uh, publication. I think it was subscription only called uh, uh, Palmer's Forum, in which he he probably went into this in a lot more uh, detail uh, and exchanged uh, ideas uh, with the, the readers more so than maybe some of the other publications did. I wouldn't say strange ideas. He wanted new ideas because his in his life he well on his younger years when he had his accident he was confined to the hospital in Milwaukee for years. Now, let's explain to people, when he was, what, seven years old, he was hit by a truck, a severe accident that left him partly crippled. Uh, yes, and he, he actually had the very first spinal graft in the country, which failed, and the next morning when they came in, he was doubled over, and they actually had to cut, cut his bones with a hacksaw off and painted with iodine because they thought he was going to die. But then after that... He was confined to one of these racks where they had to spin you every 20 minutes or something like that for, for a long period of time, and also a long period of time he was in the hospital. And as my mom said, they would, the, the nuns would bring him like 18 books a day from the library, and he'd read that much every day. So he was a, and he was at an age where his mind could retain things. So because she said, she probably thought he, he probably read the whole Milwaukee library. So he knew a lot of stuff. So when he talked to people and somebody to tell him something, he already knew of this, so it was kind of boring to him, so always he wanted new ideas, and he wanted people to think, because if you just uh, read somebody else's work, you're no better than really a computer. You may have knowledge and everything, but you're not thinking for yourself. So that was his main uh, point in many of his articles, to get people to think for themselves and have new ideas. And also, because he couldn't travel the world or anything else like that, when something new come up, he would write about it. And we'd get, you'd get letters from people, like he had the hole-in-the-pole theory. He would get letters from airline pilots that flew over it. He'd get letter, letters from submarine people. Now, let's would, explain. Get, this is fascinating, and I hadn't brought it up before, and maybe we'll cover this mm-hmm. here and in the next segment. We're talking about here the legend that Admiral Byrd supposedly crossed into the hole, the hole at the North and South Poles that lead you to the inner earth. And this goes back to the legends going back many, many years. In fact, Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote a series of novels called Pellucidor, which were based on the theory 
that there was a civilization under the earth that you can be reaching by the holes at the North and South Pole, and there was a great central sun instead of a molten core. Fascinating stuff. We'll get into more of this in a moment. With Gene and Chris, we're talking to Raymond B. Palmer, Tim Beckley. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Is this the year you finally get serious about your family's drinking water? If so, keep listening for a special offer from Big Berkey Water Filters. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated? Berkey Water Filters distinguish themselves from many other filtration systems with the capability to significantly reduce dangerous chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, and disinfection byproducts from municipal water via the Black Berkey and PF line of filters. Then there's affordability. At only 1.7 cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify treated and untreated water, even stagnant pond water. Stop and think how much money you could save by simply reducing buying bottled water and using water filtered by your Berkey water filter. No need to be constantly replacing expensive filters with a Berkey. A single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. Choose the best size Berkey for your needs at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And right now, all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Just call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Free shipping on every order over $50. Big Berkey Water Filters. For the love of clean water. Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. Hi, I'm Pastor Ginny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk 
is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned I don't have to put up with disease, decay, or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA Drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA Drops and order a free sample today. Visit rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call toll-free 888-577-3703. Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA Drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at rnafreesample.com. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, Raymond B. Palmer and Tim Beckley. So, Ray, we're talking here about your dad's theory of the holes at the poles, and the readers wrote in disputing everything, saying, no, we fly over the poles all the time, and he said we didn't. Not really. We kind of escape it. We kind of fly around it. Did he really take yes, this was, seriously? Well, one one way was one well, it could be was he was able to learn new things because here you have people first-hand people telling him things, and if you ever actually read the Napoleon the poll, he would he wouldn't make up things; he would just repeat what other people would tell him. And he, as far as his theory of the poll, he said he didn't really say there's a hole in the poll. He said, well, there's something strange that's going on up there, and again, by having these people write him letters that's been there firsthand. He was able to get first-hand accounts of what was up there, and he learned a very a lot about the different parts of the world just by writing these articles that may be a little unusual sometimes. He wasn't sure what they were. He's just more like sort of a reporter at times, or he's um, as it, as Shaver always you said, an advanced mind always just tries to find out how something is true. So if somebody says there's something up there, Dad would Dad would get many theories saying, well, how could this be true? And sometimes truth can be unusual, and sometimes truth can be usual. But again, when somebody says something, he doesn't call him a liar. He says, okay, well, how, how can your statement be true? If you see a flying saucer, well, how can it be true? What, what have you seen? So once, if you approach it that way, you're actually learning something. And you might find out this flying saucer that this person saw was an airplane. But again, you want to find out how what they saw is true. So that was, uh, many of his writing was like that. Can we say, then, that he really didn't believe there was a hollow earth? Well, I think if you read his last book, he said, no, he didn't. He didn't think, well, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I'd have to read it. He said there's something unusual going on there. He doesn't say that actually believes there's something there. Well, it's an enduring but again, mystery. He, he would try to, if somebody said there's a hollow earth, okay, he would, he would get all the possibilities of how that could be true. It may be wrong, it may be wrong, but once he gets his possibilities, then other people can write in and say, okay, I've been there. You're this, what you're saying it doesn't, isn't right. So then he can, he can change it. But again, it's not when people say something, and they're not lying, they, they, they witness something, he tries to find out how what they say is true. So that, that's an interesting way of going about things. You learn a lot of things, and a lot of people see things, they misinterpret them, and, but... At least you, it's a, it's a research project, basically. Find out what they're seeing. And it's an interesting way to live your life. Well, that subject uh, is still an, an enduring mystery because mm-hmm. we, we have currently uh, Brooks Agnew uh, is claiming to have an expedition 
set up. Uh, they're just trying to finalize the media uh, company that's going to be documenting this, but they're going to be traveling up to to the areas around the North Pole, uh, presumably looking for the entrance to the Hollow Earth, which uh, it, it just it's kind of a testament to the to the enduring you know sense and quality of that particular mystery. It uh, it it still has a, quite a big following. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that that do. Uh, sense or have uh, in their own minds evidence to suggest that we do have something going on underneath our feet and there may be entrances at the poles it's not going away anytime soon and many times like say somebody would come by it's impossible there's holes in the poles and they give their reasons and my dad would shoot down their reasons because you just can't believe somebody on their word either too so he finds well, the cover of one issue of flying saucers magazine he actually published a photograph taken by a massive satellite that they showed the planet Earth what, what appeared to be a giant black hole or something in, in in the center of the Earth there. And, of course, many many seafarers, including uh, Admiral Byrd, who sailed uh, in, in the direction of one of the poles, found that instead of getting colder, the ice broke up and it, got, uh, it, it was getting warmer, and they even found evidence of, uh, of um, all kinds of uh, fossils and and, and other kind of animal uh, life forms, and even flowers floating on the on the water. So there there is a, there is actually a lot of interest in the in the inner earth and the hollow earth. In fact, I w- I would say the public is more fascinated with concepts involving the hollow earth and the inner earth than they are with flying saucers possibly coming from uh, outer space. Because almost all the mail that we get and, and orders for our books and all. Are, are centered on on these uh, themes instead of the idea that the UFOs might be from the mother solar system. That is fascinating because that's the thing that exists in one kind of subculture, but we don't get it in the general public. Let me ask another question here, Ray, about your father. One of the things he wrote was that flying saucers are here to make us think. Oh yes, I put it. You've heard that one. Mm-hmm. And he, he he's used that too. <laughs> Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, you don't. You can't go to the book and read what a flying saucer is. So you have to think for yourself. And again, you look in many all his publications. The theme, everything he wants people to think for themselves. Because again, the people that just recite them books are using other people's words. And also, whatever is known is the past, and your future is unknown. For you to live your future. You have to think for yourself, otherwise you're living somebody else's life if you're just following other people's thoughts. So he wanted people to think for themselves. Again, going back to his background where he read so much, he knew so much, when he talked to people, he didn't want to li- listen to what he already knew. He wanted, His future was unknown, and theirs too, so he wanted something new to think about. So very much here, when he said that, he wanted you the people who read his books and magazines, to think about what UFOs are, not assume conventional wisdom, conventional wisdom being that they're E.T. This is one of the things that I've been arguing about for a number of years and other people argue about on the Paracast, which is don't accept anything about these strange mysteries as accepted fact yet because we're still dealing with the unknown. That's correct. But it's unknown, but again, people don't want to go on the limb. And again, it. It's a, it depends on funding, too. I mean, if you get funding, you're, you, you, have a, you could have research on flying saucer, but who's going to give you the money on, a lot of money on that? And a lot of times there's more funding trying to debunk saucers, saucers or anything else than there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. I, actually, I talked oh, to a, a physicist. He's writing a book, and he was he wanted to license the material for me. But he, he he said he could care less what the flying saucers were, whether they were from outer space, whether they're military or anything else. He was just writing on a certain subject because that's what his funding was for. But here he's writing about flying saucers, but he could care less what they really are. <laughs> so that 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 does twist what flying. I'm just people see them, and like that, say people see them. Well, try and find out what they what they see. What what is the truth? Well, of course, the argument here is about scientific research. There, a lot of it is done not because a scientist believes in a possibility of something, but hey, how can I get a grant? How can I make a living? What yep. line of research should I pursue? Mm-hmm. Which is yep. unfortunate. Yeah. It really is because I think that crimps our style. Mm-hmm. It severely prevents research, and certainly when you're into something like UFOs or any paranormal event, how the heck? Do you get funding for that? That's pretty difficult. It's very rare. I do notice on some of the TV shows, maybe it's international, I'm not sure which one it is, but they go to many sites that the tourists never see in in following their flying saucer quest. And I I sure wish I had the money to go to all those sites because they sure look interesting. Did your dad ever have a UFO sighting? He said he's had two of them. He'd have to go and look in his magazine to see which ones they were. But I, I can't uh, offhand say which what, what they were specifically. But, yes, he said he's had a couple sightings. Mm. By the way, I should mention to our listeners, over the years of this show, since 2006, I've said I never saw a UFO. And then I looked into the old issues of my magazine that I published back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. And guess what? Yes, I did see a UFO, kind of a light in the sky that just suddenly soared away. You know, a common UFO case. Common sighting, not much detail, didn't last very long. So there you go. That's all I know about it. All right, Raymond. Well, I have Dupont? a definition. I have a definition. People talk about UFOs and flying saucers. I'll tell you what. Let's and get I, into I, this. I, I, I got to do the break. Then we'll yeah. talk about your definition. Okay. Raymond B. Palmer joining us with Tim Beckley and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Food storage? Check. Survival tools? Check. 
Weapons and water filters, check. But what about a permanent source of cooking power that can run forever without buying fuel or paying for maintenance? Introducing Afterburner Stoves, home of the original patented rocket stove, the Kelly Kettle and the Solo Stove. Afterburner Stoves has what you need and now offers all GCN listeners our complete preparedness package with the means to cook meals and sanitize water. Whether you dig in or bug out, cook almost any meal with just a handful of sticks. We already have the lowest online prices guaranteed, but if you enter coupon code GCN at checkout, we'll knock off an additional 15% and send you our amazing six-hour solar rechargeable light bulb absolutely free, all for only $249. Visit afterburnerstoves.com or call 866-716-5214, 866-716-5214, afterburnerstoves.com. Cook hot meals with just a handful of sticks. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Despite what medical experts tell you, it's just not possible to get all the nutrients your body needs from food. Minerals are essential for good health, but not all soils contain these nutrients, so they won't be in your food. And Dr. Peter Glidden knows this. Longevity is organic, plant-derived liquid minerals. This mineral supplement, which contains 77 plant-derived, organic, certified organic minerals, in a colloidal state, saturated, concentrated just below the saturation index, is unrivaled in the field of medical nutrition, the field of nutrition, period. There's no other company that has a product that even comes close to this, and this is a big deal. Order your liquid colloidal minerals from Longevity today by calling 855-347-3696. That's 855-347-3696. Or on the web at fireyourmdnow.com. That's fireyourmdnow.com. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. So in response to my report that, yes, I saw something that could have been a UFO many, 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 many years ago, Ray Palmer, joining me with Tim Beckley on the Paracast, had a comment to make about that. Ray? Okay, UFOs are such a generic term that almost anything can be a UFO. So if you're talking truly flying saucers, my definition of flying saucers, it's metallic, it's close enough where you have a you can see it clearly enough that you can actually get a very good description of it. And also it goes very fast. So you can't mistake it for many other things. So I I, I sort of limit my when people talk about flying saucer UFO, I always ask, Well how how clearly have you seen it? So UFO I mean there's so many mistaken identifications of uh, UFOs. Most of them are planes or anything else. 
one time I saw a green fireball. I never knew what they were before. I thought, boy, this could be something, but then I looked up and I thought, green fireballs are fairly common. <laughs> but again, that's a UFO when I see it, but I don't know what it really is. But a flying saucer has to be something really that you can almost grab onto, <laughs> and then you can say it's a flying saucer. So most, most of the sightings are not what I consider flying saucer sightings. I think most of them are what we call conventional things. Yeah. Do you have any personal belief as to what you think is responsible for UFOs, flying saucers, whatever? Oh, I, I'm still in the stage where I need to find, see more, more information. I certainly think people out there are seeing some things, and I certainly think that we, we don't know what they are for sure yet. But that doesn't mean flying saucers aren't, aren't unknowable. In some future date, we may find out what they are. But to say they don't exist or all of them are all missed uh, identification from military aircraft or something, I don't think that's true either. I think there's something we still don't know, and they're out there. Now, what are your plans with regard to your dad's memory? Are you going to continue to republish some of his material? I have been thinking now in the day of age of uh, Internet and e-books, I think I need to get into that. As you say, the, the book publishing... Hardcover, hard book publishing is, is becoming dying, and as I said, my, this would be the age my dad's writings would flourish more. And I just wish he could have been here so he could have spent his time writing, which is what he really wanted to do, rather than worrying about the money end of it as much as he had to. He didn't want to be a printer. He didn't want to be the typesetter. He wanted yeah. to sit there and write stuff. Yep, but he had a family to raise and everything else and employees to uh, pay, so you have to work to make the money, too. <laughs> So does that mean we'll see Kindle versions of some of Ray Palmer's stuff? I think so. And Tim mentioned something the other day, too, that we need to get together. Because I'm not sure, again, how to do it and everything. And then there's a lot of technical things. That's just technical, too. And then you want to write a book, and then you can put it on the book. If you don't have it protected, then everybody copies it, and you sell one copy, and everybody has it. Well, of course, there are ways, supposedly, to protect electronic Mm -hmm. books. But... Even then, you know, there's always going to be a matter of trust. But right now, are you primarily a printer or what? Oh, well, yeah, I guess you could say primary printer, yes. But it's very, very limited at the moment. I still do some of my own books, and I do some commercial printing, but not too much. So that's your day job. The, 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 presses, the presses that your dad actually used, though, somebody else had bought the company quite a few years ago, right? Yeah, but they went out of business. Oh, that's a shame. Because it started in the, uh, was it in the garage or, or something that he that he started the business there and it grew and it grew and uh, he was well, they started it. I know he published, uh, uh, you did publish a couple of books uh, uh, for us when I just uh, first got started uh, in this and uh, was publishing for other people and I think that I even have a Tomorrow River cookbook or something here. Huh. Okay, yep. Yeah, he did commercial printing and actually going to back to Kirk Fuller and the race relationship. I believe in the 60s, we actually did commercial printing for Kurt, too. So, again, we had a good relation with, with him. Okay. His, Kurt had his Woodall Publishing, and we did the, the printing for him, too. Just a question about generations and spanning generations. And we see that Raymond A. Palmer was the writer. Raymond B. Palmer is the production guy, mm-hmm. doing the printing and everything. you have children? Uh, no. Okay. Almost married, but not quite. <laughs> Never happened. What about your sister? Uh, well, there's, I have two sisters, Jennifer and Linda. And right. 
One's in Florida, one's in uh, Colorado. They have kids? Uh, yes. Are their kids interested? Did this jump generations? Uh, no. Yeah, see, no, they're not. They, they look them up and they're interested in what dad did, but no, they're not interested in pursuing that. That I know of yet, yeah, mm-hmm. no. But we have to definitely see if there's a way possible to get this material back in public. And I would be interested, maybe personally, in exploring the possibilities if there is any way to have a biography of Ray Palmer with maybe some material about Shaver and see what kind of interest we have. And I guess a lot of that depends on the reaction to the show. And frankly speaking, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Sort of what I'd like to do, I mean... Again, my dad and Shaver are the past, and we sort of, it's a research project if somebody wants to get together. But I also wanted to put it in a context where it's a stepping stone to our futures, too, because they're what they've looked into and has still not been solved yet. So there's still still more interest to be had in this and still more to learn. So I wanted more in that context that, context that yeah, you're not just reading the past, but there is a future to this, too, yet, where you can learn something. And one of the and things really, I noticed in looking at some of the things that Ray wrote back in the 50s and 60s about the lack of progress in UFO research, that hasn't changed. Oh, no. I remember one of his articles said, well, now the time we have technology that we could ever do a scientific research of UFOs. And I would say about maybe 10 years ago, some scientist was on the evening news and said, well, now we should do a scientific research on UFOs. So, I mean... Yeah, every 20 years, it seems to repeat itself, doesn't it? <laughs> it's the same cycle over and over again. And the other argument I make is if you look at some of the things written about what UFOs might be in the 1950s and change the date, mm-hmm. it reads the same. But again, I mean, it reads the same, but I, like I say, I really think there's something out there that's not misidentified that we still don't know about. There's still a mystery. People are still seeing UFOs. They're uh-huh. still photographing them. Strange things are still happening. And we have to wonder why. Certainly, Chris has been a field investigator for a number of years, and he's explored some really extraordinary phenomena. And where does he get his funding? Huh? <laughs> Is he wealthy? <laughs> well, I think it's fair to say that Chris and I are both independently poor, but that doesn't apply to every situation. Chris? Lawrence Rockefeller funded me for two years, and I uh, spent my life savings. <laughs> oh, but again, you're interested in what you're doing with. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a fascination. To... Um, I yeah. never thought that I'd ever figure anything out, but I would sure love to compile the kind of scientific data that would enable others uh, a little bit more uh, talented and maybe smarter than me to, um, to do the analysis and possibly come up with further insights into what we're dealing with. And in your research, it travels. You learn, you learn a lot. You meet a lot of different people, and it's an interesting life. Yeah, and it's uh, you know the networking part of it, and and training people to go out and and properly document and investigate out in the field is also something that I've I've really made a point of of doing. People have contacted me pretty regularly over the years on how to get started and and maybe being a field investigator in their own local area. You know, I'm always I'm always open to help people uh, get up to speed and. And do things as scientifically as, as possible, because uh, quite frankly, belief is one thing. Scientific data, you know, and, and repeating that uh, the results, I think, is is the ultimate uh, grail that we're looking towards. 
Uh, by the way, mm-hmm. folks, you can find more information about what Chris is up to, his research, his articles, at OurStrangePlanet.com, OurStrangePlanet.com. He's now got set to take donations if you want to help him with his work, but also we're still working on getting the webcam. Ray Palmer, do you have a website or something we can check out? Uh, no, that's in my future plans, too. Okay. Tim Beckley, I know you have a place we can contact you at. Well, we have, uh, of course, the conspiracyjournal.com. And also, uh, Gene, uh, I just located here a small stack of uh, CDs of uh, Long John interviewing uh, Ray Palmer and Richard Shaver. I I don't know, it's maybe 12 or 15 of them. Email me at uh, MrUFOMLUFO8 at Hotmail.com. And I'll give them up for free while they last, which is a big problem. But uh, be happy to share the information. And it's uh, quite an interview. They're very common and Mr. Shaver, and you won't hear that anywhere else. Oh, that's fascinating. You can find us at thepowercast.com. That is thepowercast.com. Tim Beckley, Ray Palmer, thank you both so much for joining us on the Powercast. Yeah, nice to talk to you. Real lifetime. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.